Welcome to the Six Ways from Sunday podcast. Today, I have a very special guest joining me from Guelph, Ontario, my uncle, Brady Wilson. Brady, thank you so much for carving some time out of your day today to come on the podcast and welcome. Highlight of my day, my privilege, man. Thank you. <laughs> it's so great to connect with you um, just because we haven't seen each other in a while and I miss you and it's always great to visit. But uh, Brady, I got to say the reason that I uh, wanted to invite you to come on the podcast is I think of you as, as a person who is uh, one of my spiritual mentors, a mentor or a, a role model in, in life in general growing up and just so many great memories of uh, my childhood with you and my whole life. And just someone who I, I think of when I think of um, a spiritual role model. So today that, we're gonna. That, that makes me, that makes gives me wonderful feelings inside to hear that. Thank you. <laughs> well, I'm glad. Well, it's 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 the truth. Um, I don't know if you've had a chance to hear like to have a listen to any of our episodes in the past, but Six Ways from Sunday is really all about um, sharing real stories of human spirituality. So. Uh, we're going to dive a little bit into your human spirituality journey story today. Uh, I've got a few questions, but really these conversations are usually very organic and just uh, loose and conversational and, and laid back. So we'll see where it takes us. Yeah. I really try to tackle um, deeper questions and and those, those fundamental questions of being a, a spiritual human being, right? The questions that we all wrestle with, no matter what our faith is, um, or our background questions like why are we here, our purpose on the planet, uh, how we add meaning and create meaning with our, for our life, and how we answer questions like what happens to us after this life is over? Where did we come from? Uh, those big um, metaphysical questions, I suppose, and existential questions. That's beautiful. Uh, so we're right now, we're kind of just wrapping up the season of Lent. We're about to head into Easter. And we're going to be launching this episode that we're recording right now on Good Friday. Mm. So uh, we've been sort of exploring in our church community here in Basha and in Pinoka uh, with Rising Spirit Ministry, um, sort of a theme of covenants through this season of Lent. Mm. And uh, Robin and I, our minister here, Robin King, uh, Robin and I were talking a bit about how through the season of Lent, how do we take that time, that dedicated time to re-examine our relationships with ourselves, with each other, with God, and with the planet in a meaningful way. So that it's not just going through the motions of a tradition of giving up coffee or giving up Netflix for a month, right? Or for, for, for 40 you. days. So yeah. I'd love to ask you, with just where we're at right now on the calendar year, what has been, what has your Lent journey sort of been like? And on a wider view of that what are some of the spiritual practices in your life that help you to feel closer to god hmm. oh beautiful question what i've been letting go of is beliefs of separateness hmm. and part of this was foisted upon me and all of us because of covid that if we ever had any sort of residual inkling that we were disconnected from the rest of the planet. <laughs> it, that was the, the beautiful fatal blow. Uh, uh, we are so connected with every other human being and so one with every other human being that what somebody eats for lunch in Wuhan, 
affects the entire world basically tomorrow. Yeah. Right? It's really that simple. That is how connected we are. Uh, and the economies of the world are absolutely affected by that one person's actions. Mm -hmm. And so uh, in the morning, I do a very simple meditation and uh, I, uh, not to bore you, but you know, I'm a, I'm a complete dropout in meditation. I'm a, I'm a loser. I've been doing it for years. And it's like, okay, just focus on the breath. And then your mind, your monkey brain just goes a thousand different ways. Just come back to the breath. And it's like, I am such a dropout. But anyway, I learned from uh, Emily Fletcher, this Ziva meditation, and it, this will come back to what we're talking about, but you basically just, okay, the sense is okay. I can hear my clock ticking. What do mm -hmm. I? Is there any? What's the most? What's the most subtle taste that I can taste on my tongue? What is the most subtle feeling I can, etc. So now I'm in the room, right? I've grounded myself in the room, and uh, once I've grounded myself in the room, then what I do is I just I have this butterfly, meta metaphorical butterfly, in my hand, and I let it go in my mind, and that butterfly is the word one. Hmm. So you see now where this is going. The, the word one just starts fluttering around all sorts of places in my mind. And I just follow it and it lights on this and it lights on that and it yeah. lights on. And I no longer have to be this grim determination focus on the breath. Uh, it's just the curiosity of where will one land today? Hmm. And so this journey uh, was colliding with the experience of COVID uh, and the, the sense of how far can you go with one? Uh, and, and so this brings me back to what I'm letting go of, which is beliefs of separateness. So uh, if we think about the history of mankind, uh, take it way back, and it's like the angry deities won't let the rain come down on our crops. So we have to sacrifice something, right? And so man's role is uh, the desperate supplicant who comes with, honestly, Ben, like your firstborn. Yeah. Right? Oh, or, I, or if you're in, in the Mayan culture, well, I mean, human sex. So basically, we have to appease the angry deity. Well, thankfully, we kind of we shifted from that mm -hmm. to... Uh, God is, you know, not against God can be for us. So you think of like King David and it's like, when God is for us and we go out to battle, like good things happen when God is not for us, we get sent off into Babylon. So we want God to be for us. So then it's like the, the upright subject and God is our King. He's choosing. So, no, right. <laughs> so then we go, yeah, well, that was okay, but it's uh, it seems a little capricious. And so then Jesus comes and God is with us. That's even better than for us. Uh, and so our role then is uh, the obedient disciple and hungry learner. And 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 then as Jesus goes, yeah, 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 yeah. But the ark is going somewhere. It's not against. It's not for. It's not even with. It's like. God is your father. He is surrounding you, right? And and but then he's saying, and it's going beyond that. I'm telling you. So he gets to John 14, 20. He says, On that day you realize that I am in my father, 
and you are in me and I am in you. So it's, it's not against, it's not for, it's not with, it's not even around, it's in, it's, it's union. It's it's one. Uh, And so beliefs about separateness, I can let that go and, and realize that there is a dance of the father and the son and the Holy, like my father, my mother, and my big brother are dancing inside of me. And, and they're, they're in this crazy, wonderful conversation of deference and respect. And what do you think about this? And, and then they invite me right into that in my belly. Right. And so if I can let go of the faulty and kind of unhealthy beliefs that I am separate, I'm separate from Ben, I'm separate from the Muslim extremist. No, no, no. I'm one. I am one with, and I am one in God and God is in me. This changes everything for me. Mm. Changes everything for me. And, you know, I think about Good Friday um, and it, you know, there's this, this whole thing of Jesus fused himself to humanity in the incarnation, in his life, in his death, in his burial, in his resurrection, in his ascension. Uh, he fused himself to every single person in the planet and took us with him, like maybe kicking and screaming, but he took us with him to the cross on Good Friday. And we experienced everything that he experienced. And so, you know, the Bible says, you are crucified with Christ. We were resurrected with Christ. It's like, so the union peace, um, it is so much more than you're a naughty boy, but thank God Jesus came and God the mm. Father poured out his wrath on Jesus. And so now you get to get your sins washed away. It's like and, and if you do if you follow these steps just right and ask for, you know, accept Jesus and and ask for forgiveness, then you get to come into the club. Exactly. <laughs> Earn your way into heaven. Exactly. So what if uh somebody said, Ben, you get to climb the the highest mountain in the world and shout out the gospel to the world, one has to ask, what would you say? You know, and I'm at the point now where I want to say, like, I, I go to the world and help people understand that they have these five driving needs, belonging, security, freedom, significance, and meaning. They're biologically urgent. They mm-hmm. are like oxygen to us. Mm-hmm. And what I want to say to the world, I want to get up on the mountain and say, in God, you belong in God. You are secure in God. You have true freedom in God. You are so significant and you have so much meaning and purpose. And guess what? You're in God. (laughs) Like you don't have to do anything to get into God. Jesus, he fused himself with the entire human condition and made us to be one with and so yeah it's a long way to say i'm letting go of those beliefs that say i am not enough i can only be valued if i perform so i have 
value based on my performance. I have value based on whether I can do the right things in God's eyes uh, and going, no, I am, I am so one with God that we are indistinguishable. We are inseparable. Like if a scientist could look at God's DNA and look at Brady's <laughs> DNA, it's like, oh my goodness, it's the same DNA. It's like, you're, you're one. Yeah. What, what's so ironic about that is that that would be considered heresy in so in in most of human history even if you just look at the time from Jesus teaching to now where that is exactly what he came to to teach us and yet we got it so wrong that we built this whole religious structure and system around worshiping and idolizing him that lost sight of the connection that's right there between us or, and what he came to to show and demonstrate and teach and and you know you look at the damage that the that Christianity has done, not just through the obvious big things in history like the Crusades and, and stuff like that, but even in in our last century or so, and in, in even my lifetime, right? In the last 30, 40 years, you can see where we've gotten it so wrong. And we so are true. and we are and this is the body that is proclaiming, you know, we're we proclaim to follow this this teacher this rabbi this jesus is is our central figure and and when they, and then using that as as more of a weapon uh, to to disclude to to create separation to disconnect yes. instead of include yes so we we keep getting it wrong <laughs> yeah and i'm hearing from you that this has been a journey for you for beyond way beyond just this season of lent but it's kind of cool how lent um and different you know, uh, times in the, in the, the Christian calendar or through that, throughout the church calendar in a year where we're, we just set an intention, right. Uh, on, on something like, you know, what am I, what am I willing to let go of? What would I benefit mm-hmm. from letting go of? Mm-hmm. Um, but it, obviously this has been a journey for you for a long time. When, when did you first kind of feel like this was crystallizing for you, this idea of oneness and, uh, letting go of, yeah, what, around disconnectedness or separateness. It was in uh, March of uh, 18, 2018 in Zurich, Switzerland. Oh, really? What happened yeah. there? Well, uh, in the period up coming up to that, so <laughs> this won't be a surprise to you, Ben, but uh, the, the code for Wilson's... <laughs> is um it's it, and hacking the code has been the, the journey of my life right which <laughs> which is if i perform i have worth if, oh, if, i've got that big time yeah if i perform i have value and so overlay or just put that into the christian setting and and if you put a little, just put a little bit of discipline and a little bit of perseverance and determination, add that to the code, uh, I will, I will do anything to ensure that my worth is substantiated and validated. And so that's all the Christian disciplines. That's you know, and prayer and service in church and devotion to God, all the stuff. Uh, so, you know, that 
that just it's it's just like um remember when elijah was on the mountain and he's he's facing off with the prophets of baal right and it's like who can call fire down and the prophets of baal are basically bashing themselves with rocks and gashing themselves open it's like i will do anything that it takes to get god to come (laughs) (laughs) so anyway that creates inside of you a a volcano of anger sooner or later because you are trying so hard you're working so diligently and it doesn't seem to get the response from god that you're wanting Mm. and so sooner or later that code uh of it's basically if then right mm-hmm. it's quid pro quo conditional if i do this then will then god will do that that is the code that is written inside the human condition and that is why grace is so radical and yeah. so right it breaks all convention yeah. Uh, so it was in March of 18 and this thing is just, you know, like, so when I say devotion and all that stuff, like I have fasted for over like 40 days, like 40 days without just with water, uh, mm. just so that God would fill me with his love and his power and his holiness. And I've, I've done so many of those long, long fasts. And, and honestly, I'm not talking about going through the motions. I'm talking about, you know, hundreds and thousands of hours and every single morning waking up early and being with God. And right. So this thing was deep in me. Mm. And, and finally in 2018, it's like, I'm not doing this anymore. And uh, I was in Switzerland and for some reason it just, it all came to a head and I came back to Canada and I went, I'm not talking to you anymore. I'm so fucking done with you. Mm. And that's fine. I wake up the next morning and I hear a Cardinal sing and before I can stop myself, I go, Oh, thank you, God. That's so beautiful. (laughs) And then this, other thing happens and i before i can stop myself i'm talking to god again uh i am in this accident on the 401 where i am so in the wrong because i was texting a client and the guy in front of me stops immediately bang uh we go to the opp and uh the guy in front of me you know it turns out he goes oh i know you you're brady wilson from juice it's like we need to work he was the owner of mckinnon transport and so he goes into the uh opp station first and by the time i get in there the opp officer says so uh you got into a accident i said yeah and i was so in the wrong because i was just i'm coming clean right uh he said uh give me your license registration insurance so i give it to him and he just fills out the thing, nothing, like no repercut. And I, and he, I said, is that it? And he said, well, unless you want me to charge you, I went, would it, would it take longer? (laughs) 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 He says, get out of here. I'm standing in the sunlight going, that is the 
crazy mercy of God. I'm not even supposed to be talking to you right now. Right. Unbidden is a wave of mercy that just does not make sense. Teresa and I get this, my wife, Teresa and I get this nudge to sell our house, bought it for 229,000. We put a bunch of work in it, goes on the market. We have 12 offers and it's like somebody says, they write us a personal letter and we can see our children. They offer us $601,000. Like, so just almost illegal grace, (laughs) inconceivable blessing. And I'm not talking to him. Yeah. And so the code is just getting hacked. Just shattered. God is going right inside the code and saying, absolutely apart from your performance i am radically in love with you and and i'm telling you ben thing after thing after thing happened and i'm going okay what do i do with that and mm-hmm. in the in on the heels of this comes this whole thing of i am inside of you father son holy like for me um when i think of father it's the challenge and the purpose and that sense of direction, that sense of crazy energy to do something creative. And when I think of the mother, it's like, which is for me, the Holy Spirit, Mm. um, very, very maternal who hovered over the waters like a, you know, uh, but it's like nurture and compassion and being attentive to my needs and that sense of unconditional regard and and then there's the big brother uh jesus who's the champion right and we go on adventures together those three i got a family living in my belly and they draw me right into the middle and i just wake up in the morning um i would say like 95 times out of 100 i wake up in the morning these days and go what's our mission today like (laughs) what are we what are we doing today And then there's these nudges, right? Because the impulses of God live within. And it's it's like, okay. And then the next thing I know, I'm following this nudge and something crazy is happening. So it sounds like you've become that that butterfly. And you're, you're floating through whatever your day brings, whatever the moment, the present moment leads you to. Um, and just being, just flapping your wings yeah. and being, but not flapping your wings. That is really dry, like I've, I've, I need to, you know, make this happen. It's just that is so astute, Ben. Yeah, it's like where's the nectar? <laughs> <laughs> and I think the other part of your observation is, I wouldn't trade the crystal, the time in the chrysalis for anything. Uh, all of those years of fighting with the code. Um, yeah, I would say that was, that was important. It was all um, part of your story. It is, it is. And uh, the liberty and the beauty of being a butterfly is against the backdrop of all yeah. of that, right? Which makes it so much sweeter, just like how... Uh, in the backdrop of all the restrictions of COVID over the last year, 
the sweetness of being able to reach out and have this conversation with you that maybe wouldn't have happened is richer. Mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. the family meals that I have that Kelly and I have with our kids and the, the time that we have together at a slower pace, because we're not racing off to a, a hundred different activities mm-hmm. is sweeter in context, in, in contrast. Yes. Um, but at the same time, I think we also have this human urge to want to protect our children from experiencing any of the hurt that we've experienced. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious for you, given this, I love that the way you shared your story and, um, and I knew that you would have such rich stories to tell with us because you've always been a masterful storyteller. But um, having gone through all of that, and having struggled and wrestled with that, would you what what would be your advice to others or to your children, to your grandchildren who are young enough that they're, you know, most of your grandkids are, are maybe not even thinking about a lot of these things yet? Mm-hmm. Um, would you want to almost shepherd them or shield them from the hardships and the pain that that got you to that kind of pinnacle of of you know, being, getting to that point where you're willing to say, like, I'm not talking to you anymore, God, this is not working. Right. And no one would, no one would want that for their loved ones. But yet, at the same time, you recognize that without it, you can't, you maybe wouldn't have had that transformation. Yes. I love this question. And, and I think it really gets to how do we truly do with others what we do with God, which is partnering. Uh, because God, in this relationship <laughs> with him in my belly, uh, in no way does God dictate to me what will happen, which is amazing to me, you know, that he cares what I think uh, and is actually interested in what my desires are. And I'm interested in what his desire, but it's very much a partnering. And that's, I think, the essence of union and Jesus and Paul saying, uh, "This is the mystery, you know, that's been kept is like Christ in you." The hope, and he and he says in another place in Ephesians that I'm talking about Christ in the church being married, and that's a mystery, uh, but the two shall become one. And so, in a good marriage, there is not any sense of "I am above you." We're always partnering, right? And there's deference, and there's so. I would say that with my kids and my grandchildren, uh, as I take that stance, I don't have to decide when the timing is right for them to shift from the code, which is just inherent in all of us. Let's just, right? Mm. You're, just you're not come, unique in that. Brady that, is not that, the only that one. Just, that comes with the territory. Of you, I, I wish it wasn't, but it is. Um, and so I would love them to be able to make that shift sooner rather than later. I think my role is to be attentive. Like for me, Ben, the gospel means good news, right? Yeah. So let's just say, like you think of the story of the man whose son kept throwing himself in the fire. Jesus comes along and let's just say Jesus comes along to that man my son keeps throwing himself in the fire. And Jesus says, I'll multiply bread for you. That's not good news. <laughs> it's yeah. good news if you do something and 
kick out the demon that keeps your son casting himself. That's good news, right? And if you go to a bunch of people who have been sitting on a hill for three days and they're starving to death, and Jesus says, I've got this sense that some of you might feel like a man in a cave all shackled and hitting himself with rocks and i'm gonna free it's like that's not good news good news for that group is fish tacos <laughs> right and so the good news is jesus at the point of need mm. the good news is not jesus came to earth was born in a virgin mary of course that's the good news but really like Jesus, when he proclaimed, uh, stood up in the synagogue, he says, uh, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. And then he starts talking about the blind. They're going to, that's good news. If you can't see, right. If you're subjugated uh, and in prison and you're set, that's good news, but it's, it's person specific. The reason I say all of that is that my grandchildren to preach the good news it has to be the news that is good for them where they are and my kids. And so we don't come along as colonizers into people's lives and foist upon them our experience, even our beliefs. What we do is with deference and respect, we come alongside it with a heart to partner, which is just two people standing for each other's success. Mm. and try to to see where my granddaughter Maya who's 13 where is she right now when you're 13 and you've just gone back to school from being at home and what you desperately care about is being included and accepted and belonging with the group and having friends well my suspicion is that hacking the code for Maya has the good news is something about that sense of being able to belong no matter what even when people exclude you sometimes that at the core you still belong you you are acceptable forever mm, you're loved right? and you're perfect as you right yeah. <laughs> exactly which so of I course think, is a grandpa's job to communicate always no matter what the unique right. specific need at that point in, in their journey is but yeah um, that's such a cool example i love it so one thing you mentioned earlier brady that got me thinking that maybe needs a bit of context building for our listeners is you're talking about all people have five kind of basic needs or drivers mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and when you're 13 and going back to school after learning from home, those you're still going to have those same five needs as a toddler and as a, um, you know, someone who's in Switzerland on a business trip. Yeah. Yeah. So, and the clients that you work with, but for people who have, what is he talking about? What is this juice that he's mentioned a couple of times? Maybe just tell, tell us a little bit about your work, Brady and then mm-hmm. I'd love to weave into that how it all fits together. And I know we'll get there. Um, we can talk about sure. some of your your books and how love has sure. a place in the workplace. Um, mm-hmm. I, I loved your book, Love at Work. Nice. Uh, but yeah, just take us to a 30,000 foot view of uh, your work and then how the those uh, five drivers 
of need uh, fits into the work that you do. Beautiful. Our company name is called Juice. And so you have to know that with a name like that, energy matters to us. And it's always mattered, but in the midst of COVID energy, if you're on Zoom calls all day long, energy is starting to matter even more and more. So what we do, Ben, with uh, leaders and employees is demystify the energy, which for some people is like crystals and smoking a doobie on the, on the beach and whatever, uh, holding hands in a circle. And we just say, okay, so you're doing a brainstorming meeting for your team and you really need to come up with an innovative idea that is value creating and will change the relationship you have with your customers. So you're in it. And, but what's happening is it's a grind and you're writing down all their ideas on the flip chart and inside you're going, these are the most garden variety ideas. <laughs> There's nothing novel or usable here. And then something shifts in the room and everybody feels it, it's palpable. And the ideas start popping, but not just idea, not just the volume of ideas. Somebody says, oh, the juices are starting to flow here. So I'm going to ask you, Ben, what do we mean when we say the juices are starting to flow yeah, well, in, it's in a brainstorming a, meeting? Yeah, it's, it's energy, like you said. And it's, it is something you can't quite put your finger on, but you feed off of it, yeah. uh, especially when you're physically, I, I find that when you're like the whole, like, why do, why would people fly to, to have an important meeting? Well, being in the room with somebody, you, you feel their energy. Yes. And so, and the, the way we can see whether the juices are flowing or not is the volume of ideas is increasing, bup, 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 right? There's leapfrogging off each other. Yeah. We're building. And then there's the novelty of the ideas. Mm. So surprising adjacencies and we're connecting the dots in ways we hadn't before, mm. uh, but it's also the applicability or usability of those ideas and the sense of promise and possibility. This could actually change our future. The juices are flowing. Well, so we just say to leaders, you've all experienced this shift. We all have. And let's just, let's just say the obvious for a second. When the juices are flowing, creativity is easy. Well, that's just one juice. That's dopamine. When dopamine, it's a neuromodulator. When it flows in your brain, it makes you insanely creative, innovative. Ingenuity gets unlocked. It's, a, it's the seeking drive. And it, and it propels us towards goal orientation and motivation. It's powerful when that juice flows. But that's only one of many. So let's just say that you have a day full of Zoom meetings, <laughs> six, you know, I mean, well, you know that you're going to need some relational superpowers. Uh, well, the beautiful thing is that there is a neuromodulator called oxytocin, which when it's flowing in your brain, allows you to create rich connections very quickly and allows you to, allows you to build rapport, establish trust. Uh, it, so it is like... Uh, your ability to go from zero to 60 in a relationship depends on whether oxytocin is flowing. So now we're not talking about some ethereal, ephemeral energy. We're talking, you can map this in the brain. Hmm. You can map whether energy is Yeah, right? Uh, and then there's, let's just say that you're, you're starting to lose your sense of agency. Well, if serotonin gets unlocked in your brain, it unlocks agency, belief, confidence, self-efficacy, that sense of invincibility. Well, these are not a, we know these are not a one plus one plus one. 
when you feel connected because oxytocin is flowing and you feel creative because dopamine is flowing and you feel confident because there is a freakish thing that happens in your brain mm. and you get into a state of flow where the film you're making, the interview that you're in, the paper that you write, whatever, you get so absorbed and so immersed that you lose track of time and you just knocked off in three hours what typically would have taken you two days. Right. That's juice. Mm. The thing is that what unlocks juice is fulfilled needs. Mm. When my need, and we all have this, it's a biologically urgent, pressing, vital need for, for belonging. It's one of the five. When that need is being met, that's what triggers the release of oxytocin. Hmm. Right? Uh, we have a need for freedom, autonomy, independence. When the need for freedom and a sense of, of possibility about the future, the, the promise of reward unlocks dopamine in our brain. Hmm. So think of it this way. You're born with these needs, uh, belonging, security, freedom, significance, and meaning. So just take belonging for a second. Um, I can point to 10 substantive pieces of research that say that belonging in close social relationships is a better predictor of your physical health than whether you smoke, whether you exercise, and the quality of your diet. Now, those are big predictors of your physical health. Are you health. serious? Wow. Totally. So if you take somebody who is isolated, disconnected, lonely, all the markers will start to go downhill. Wow. And if you take a look at the places on earth, they call them blue zones, where the, the highest concentration of centenarians. People who live to 100 years old, yeah. You will find rich social connection is part of the fabric. So you're better to eat poutine with your pals than broccoli by yourself, right? <laughs> I love that. And, and so that's just belonging. But if you, if you took a look at uh, meaning, you know, the whole, oh, there's a wave of research around uh, why purpose and cause and meaning at work is so important for people. Mm. So we, we came out with these many, many years ago. And if anybody is interested, you know, we can hook them up with the white papers we have around. We've done deep, deep research into all these five driving needs. But I, I would just say the linkage is fulfilled needs release energy, which unlock performance. Mm. But in very specific ways, as I said, relational yeah. performance, achieving performance, because there's, there's relational energy, there's structural energy, there's creative energy, there's achieving energy, and there's difference-making energy. We've all, like, you don't have to convince anybody that there are those types of energy. Uh, it's just that we now are saying, when you get this need met, that unlocks that type of energy. Got it. And right. so your work lands in that intersection of where um, people are, are, organizations or groups or, or clients are experiencing that, that feeling of being stuck where they're not, yeah. their teams are not, uh, their juice is not flowing and they're not right. meeting those needs. And then helping them to to uh, explore how they can unlock that potential. You've totally got it. 
And so I'm writing an article for Municipal World right now. And so it's, it's all about reintegration of the workforce. Uh, and what we know for sure is that from now on, we will have a hybrid workforce. Mm, yeah, this some, is a, some remote some form or another, yeah. And some in person. What that means is that a manager has to figure out how do we combine the parts to create a greater whole? What I, what I mean by that is that uh, the different parts of the team, some of them want more autonomy uh, and flexibility, and some are hungering for connection and those accidental collisions. So we've got, a need for, moments. <laughs> we've got a need for freedom and a need for belonging that seem to be in opposition with each other. Mm. But the beauty is we know that wherever there is that kind of tension, right inside of tension, there is energy. So as a manager, you don't get to decide whether energy is going to be released from that tension you have in your hybrid team. But you do get to decide whether it will be innovative, generative, creative, forward-moving energy, or that trust-destroying, suspicion-inducing, you know, mm, energy-sucking energy. energy. Yeah. So the way that a manager can step into that is to help people talk about their needs. And now here's the issue. If you go to any 45 year old man in Canada right now and say, what do you need in your, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, make it even harder than say, well, how do you feel? I don't know. <laughs> like we don't have a concept. What, what is very, uh, what we know for sure is that people stuff their needs in the workplace. Mm -hmm. We suppress our own valid needs, and I've done a ton of research. There's six reasons why, and again, people can look at the, the white paper if they want. But we, we tend to, because we don't want to feel broken. No. We don't want to come across as needy. We don't want to be that person who can't uh, rise above the challenge and be resilient and agile and all that. So we just take it on and we work fine. <laughs> right? Uh, and so what if you could render vocabulary uh, that it's not off-putting and, and destigmatize the ability to just talk about our needs? So you don't have to be crucial or fierce or all you have to be is human. Yeah. Right. That's, that's, the, that's the only bar you have to step. Are you a human <laughs> that has needs? Then you get to play. Hmm. That's powerful. So, so it, then what it, we do is we just allow people to get into a conversation where a manager and an employee are partnering. Again, the manager's not parenting, but partnering. And they can now talk about the employee's need for autonomy. Now, that's going to be good for the manager uh, because that employee is going to be far more energized, far more productive, et cetera. And that's going to be good for the employee. So if you change the frame where we're now talking about needs versus preferences or wants and a massive need difference between wants and needs mm -hmm. i want to be in control i need to feel secure i want my opinions to be acted upon i need to feel belonging and so we don't have to get into the whole wants i mean if we can grant somebody their wants that's wonderful but we have to step into destigmatizing the conversation around needs. That's what we do. Mm -hmm. 
and it it just produces beautiful things. I'm sure that it produces things beyond people's workplace too. That all of this stuff that you're talking about is, um, as with any form of like personal development. I mean, you you could be a teacher and you could go to a PD day and you come back from your PD day and all the stuff you apply in your classroom, you find, oh, I can apply this in my family relationships and in my marriage. And it's the same with any kind of personal growth and and work that you do on your right, uh, on yourself, right? But everything you're you're just explaining about your process and about uh, your findings from your research and and your your um, methodology. I keep thinking about our the first part of our conversation about your spiritual journey and that code and that and how it is so hardwired into us that we need to just perform and we need to be okay and yeah. we, we want to be accepted and we need to be loved and we all of those needs are spiritual needs too. Um, I'm a little bit curious if you could just share a little bit about how how do you integrate your work and your faith life? And I mean, I'm sure it, there's no distinct line between them for you. And of course, you'd have clients that have no interest in talking about church or talking about God or talking about um, how Jesus is hacking your code. But for you, it, it's a fluid spectrum. Like it's all one and the same, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. Um there's a quick story from Bruce Coburn. You know, he's whatever, probably 70 by now, but he was talking about this concert he was doing in New York and uh, he's, he's on with this other performer and she's like effusive and like completely loves the audience and, and whatever. So they're on break. Right. And she's having this conversation and they're, they're talking about how they interact with the audience. And she goes, well, you have to love the people, Bruce. And, and Bruce Coburn is going, at this point in his journey, love them. I can't even look at them. <laughs> if, if I look at the crowd, I completely lose. Because he was so introspective and like oh, a really? introvert. <laughs> uh, but this one inside of him, you know, there's a truth that offends and then transforms. And this, this truth uh, at the beginning was like, was offensive but transformed him and and he now is at the point where he just loves his audience hmm. right and I've, if you've been to one of his concerts like so when i'm with a group of people uh i feel so connected because of the the truth is i am one with them i'm not above them i am not there to correct them uh, I am part of the same fabric with the same code that we're all, uh, and I am very clear that every single one of them, if I could get, you know, one-on-one and say, if Jesus Christ was here right now, he would say to you, you are absolutely accepted. You are like, you have so much belonging and you are secure. Like, so I just feel like, that's what is washing through me like rivers of living water um i'm not up at the front saying that stuff no but you're i'm talking about their driving needs right (laughs) um but yeah i mean those conversations do come up when we're one-on-one for sure uh and that's beautiful um but it doesn't need to be about the um there doesn't have to be 
a religious or even spiritual flavor to something no. for it to provide that sustenance. No, I am uniquely wired to create powerful human connections. That sounds that's, like that's, your your that's my juice statement. Yeah, that's that's my juice for the world. If you squeeze Brady and just get the essence, <laughs> it's what is going to be <laughs> the irreducible essence is going to be some sort of powerful human connection. Uh, mm. And so, as long as I'm out there in the world doing that, like. I just feel like God is flowing through me. Yeah. And it's so I, beautiful. I, I, I just, I got a card. It was either yesterday, or the day before from, I won't say the organization, but it was from a lady and we're doing a session. And then we send people into their breakout rooms. And while they're in the breakout rooms, uh, my producer and myself are just in conversation with this beautiful woman. Uh, and, and this thing happens in the conversation and she starts weeping and we're just going, something really beautiful is happening right now. Anyway, that's fine. And then the people come back from the breakout. But I get this card from her and just, just going on about the, the depth of that conversation, where it went from her. And I'm going, if you, don't, if you say to me that that is not God, I don't. I can't accept that. <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't matter what she would call it or what, you know, what language she would put to that. Yeah, it's like, I, I feel, Ben, like it's this. It's uh, Jesus creates the wine at the wedding, right? And the people don't have a clue where it came from. They just know it's good. <laughs> <laughs> and Jesus seems analogy. to be just fine with that. Yeah. And so I just want people to taste God and go, that's good. Yeah. That's yeah. good. And then if they happen to go, where in the heck did that come from? Like I, one of the senior leaders of this Swiss bank, we're out for dinner and it's a big party and he's talking about this material of ours and it's so brilliant. <laughs> and I'm going, that came from God. <laughs> can't, can't even just, take the credit. Just know for, for sure that did not come from me. Uh, because I asked God, what is the schema that underlies every organization? What is the, the deepest structural meaning uh, that would unlock the complexity of organizational life for people. And, and I just keep asking God, make it simpler, make it simpler, more irreducible, etc. cetera. Uh, and so I just said to him, I, I'm asking God for this stuff all the time. Hmm. So he, he tastes the wine, goes, that's darn good. It was better than the stuff that we were drinking before. Where'd it come from? And then I just get to say, oh, if, it, if you like the taste of that, that's God. Hmm. That's a really cool story. I was going to ask you, I, I meant to ask you, and you just answered it. Um, what, if, if you've landed on some, some statement or some uh, answer to that question of what is your life? purpose or what is your life about and uh, i know you're familiar with simon sinek's work he would say what's your why right like yeah. at an organizational level or yeah. your personal you know why why are you here and it sounds like you really got to discover i think some people are never ever get to a really clear answer of what theirs is and I, even for myself i've i've 
got sort of a notion that I came to maybe, you know, five, six years ago, a bit of an answer and it's, it's crystallizing and becoming more clear uh, as I live my life. What would you say it is now, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, of course. Well, I think I would say that what really juices me or makes me feel alive is experiences that make people feel something deeply. So uh, Mm -hmm. conveying and creating uh, emotion and, and uh, so that could be something like being involved in community theater, being up on the stage and singing a song or giving a performance, and then hearing afterwards that people were crying when they listened to that. And it was, I didn't write the lyrics. I didn't write the play. I didn't come up with the character. I was just a, got to be a part of delivering that story on a stage and, yeah. and using some gifts that I, I didn't choose to, to know how to sing. You know, like it's not about me, but if my intention and my actions and my or my way of being can can be a part of an uh, something that makes people feel something deeply, then I then I'm just all over that. And so I really love when my work as a filmmaker creates that. Like my people, uh, Kelly and and others in my life joke about how Ben's metric for whether a video was good is did people cry. But it's true because uh-huh. if I you know, if we're working on a, a video project that it could be just an ad for something, but if there's, if there's real human story in it that people see themselves in and they relate to enough that it moves them emotionally, then that's to me, the mark of like, we we've done our job like that. That was successful. And more than did, you know, a million people watch something. So what I, I, I would way rather create a, a something that a few hundred people saw, but it, they remembered it for years or they really were, were like rocked by it emotionally. So I guess maybe a really simple way of, of saying that it would be, the answer would be just creating emotional impact. Mm-hmm. That is so beautiful, man. The words that were coming to me, I'm not trying to overlay this over you at all, but it was like, I create a poignant human experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It elicits emotion, but yeah, it's the experience that, and it kind of relates to yours too of connection. And I think at a at a really base level, in our in our true core, that that at that place where God is one inside of us, you use the language of like in your belly, right? Like in your core, that that the God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity of, or if you want to call it the universe or the the unlimited potential of of the life force whatever you want to call it that's inside of us i think it is all the same and and so we have different ways of expressing our own personal why or we have different ways of expressing those needs but i think there's a reason that you've found that hmm, it seems like everyone's needs are really fundamentally the same because we're so connected like you said at the very beginning that that oneness we're all the same Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so f- arriving at like oh i've discovered my purpose i've discovered my why i i think the question of what's the meaning of life is 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 a humorous one because i don't think there is a meaning of life you know there's not like one reason why we're here but at the same time if you drill down far enough everyone's reason that they arrive at that's their own personal unique way of saying it there's a commonality i think that almost all of them are just in a slightly different way talking about 
the uh, their purpose being that, that we're here to connect and, and create the meaning. So it's yes. almost like the meaning didn't exist on its own. That, right. But when the person, when the being created the meaning, then, then it came into existence. Right. And I would, I'm not trying to uh, contrast or anything, but I would just add one piece in, in terms of your, your comment around we are all the same. I would say 1000% and we are all completely distinct and unique. Yeah. Both are, yeah. both are, are true. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think in, in all of these things, uh, I am looking for what are those two things that seem to be in contrast, but are, are held in tension in the most beautiful way. And I don't have to go binary. I don't have to go either or now or never all or nothing. You're against me. Or, but it's like the, the fact that we are one, one is big enough to, of a container to hold uniqueness and belonging at the same time. Mm. That's beautifully said. I love that. Right. So uh, the the Muslim extremist is we we are all the same, and we are completely unique. And I'm not talking about you know just because of our our philosophies or whatever. But um, there's only one Brady Wilson. That there's a way. I think that like what I want for our world, Ben. And, and, you know, if you think about the lines of politics or the lines of race or the lines of, of uh, status or the lines of riches, whatever, um, what I want for our world is for us to understand that we do not have to go binary. Mm. Uh, that the code that we talked about before uh, has within it comparison and measurement uh, because that creates striations uh, of worth or status or whatever. Mm -hmm. But what if we could look at life and say um, the complexity demands that we don't go binary, that we hold this to be true and we hold this to be true, those two things that seem like they're in, they're opposing each other. And to say, the job is integration. And, and so I'll just end with this, and that is, um, if, if we even just look inside, there, uh, we all have parts, and I'm not talking about you were damaged when you were a kid, so now you've you got you know, we all have parts, and we speak that way. Oh, there's a part of me that thinks this, and there's yeah. a part we, yeah. we talk like that. Well, I will tell you that if you look inside Brady, there's a part of him that needs to be the performer, there's a part of Brady that is hypercritical. Uh, there's a part of Brady that needs to get away and, and escape from danger. And, and these parts all serve this, the deeper self. Mm -hmm. They serve your highest good. And I think the job for us is to not allow those parts to be polar opposites from each other, 
But the job for us as we mature as human beings, how do I integrate those parts and understand the redemptive nature of what each of them was supposed to bring and say, you're all invited to the table. Mm -hmm. You're all valued at the table. And, and let's have this integrated being uh, that brings the very best of all those parts. I think that is, that's the heart uh, that's kind of like what the body of Christ is like. Oh, yeah. Right? That's, that's kind of what like a, a good family can be like. That's kind of like what a good Canada could be like. Right. It's like, come to Canada. We want your part. Yeah. And, and, and we want to create not just a whole from the parts. Anybody can do that. Anybody can go one plus one plus one equals three. We want one plus one plus one equals 572 right like bring the parts together to create a greater whole yeah and i that was a big riff off we are all the same and we are all distinct so let's have belonging because we're all the same and uniqueness because we're all different and let's yeah. let's have both love that at an individual level really it sounds like you're talking about what some would call self-actualization right? Like a fully actualized human being is yeah. someone who can integrate those disparate parts of them and realize that there's a time and a place of like, this is even scriptural, right? There's for all things, there's a time and a place yeah. and a season. There's a time and a place where it, the appropriate thing is to be furiously angry. Yes. And, and, uh, and there's a time and a place where the appropriate thing is to be silent, to be still, yeah. to be, to heal, to, to be isolated even. Yep. Yep. Um, I feel like this is maybe a, a point where we should wrap up. Uh, I agree. I completely agree. Even though I, I feel like we could definitely do this for another whole hour or more. And what I love about this conversation with you, Brady, is that it just feels like we could be having a beer at Tobacco Lake in Ontario at the cottage, and it would have been ex no different than this. <laughs> I um, think that is exactly true. And yeah. I, that's, that's my aim is for these podcasts to just be like that. So thank you. Yeah, you're, for you're pulling it that. off. You're definitely pulling it off. Well, it takes, it's not just me, it, uh, but you brought that energy and that way of being and your authentic self and your story to this conversation. And I can't thank you enough for that. I, I hope that uh, people find it helpful and uh, thank you for, what you do in the world, Ben. Likewise. Mm -hmm, Brady, is, there, is there anything that you would like to leave folks with or to, if anyone's interested in learning more about what you are up to or what yeah. Juice is up to? Um, tell us. Yeah, if they just, if they more. go to uh, juiceinc.com, like www.juiceinc.com uh, yeah. and uh, there's tons of free stuff there. So just go to like resources. Uh, there's white papers, uh, videos. You've, you've had just a, you've like a, a couple TED talks that would be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. how to fix the exhausted brain, uh, a Mississauga TED talk, um, that can be helpful for people. There's a ton of stuff there that I would love people to, to avail themselves of. And it's, um, it's, it's free. Yeah. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, we'll leave it there for now. Um, and yeah, I definitely encourage anyone interested to check out more of Brady Wilson's work and juiceinc.com. 
Um, thank you again, Brady, for spending some time with me today. I love you, you and I so appreciate you. Thank you, Ben. My privilege to be with you. All right. Well, thank you everyone for joining us this time on uh, Six Ways from Sunday podcast. We've got a new episode out once every two weeks, every second Friday we were posting. And you can find all of those at our website, risingspiritministry.com. Just click on podcasts. We're also on iTunes or on your favorite podcast app on your mobile device. And would love for you to leave us a rating, a review or just hit that subscribe button to be notified when we get a new episode out every two weeks. Join us again the next time. Until then, take care and be well.